0: I do want to say this morning um, a little confession about the sermon. I really don't know what this text in Daniel means. And and I really don't know who does. It is full of imagery and metaphor and has an apocalyptic flair that is akin to the book of Revelation. I think about the book of Revelation, it may be The most misused book in all of the Bible, and and Daniel may be a close second. You know, I want to use the spirit of the metaphor this morning in this seventh chapter of Daniel, not so much to interpret the text and to connect all of these metaphors to uh, either historical or present day um, realities. But I want to center in on the spirit of this message, which is the spirit of hope in the midst of beastly times. You know, I'll say a word about what I've learned about this text in case you think I haven't spent enough time in the study this week. This is a story written by people who were not free maybe even enslaved. And so the question for us this morning is, have you ever felt enslaved? Perhaps some of us today feel enslaved or not free. The book of Daniel was probably written in the mid-second century BC during a, a period of Syrian domination in Palestine. And it tells them and us how our ancestors faced beasts, how our ancestors faced very difficult times, and how our ancestors saw through those times. And and the implication was that if these ancestors could endure, the Babylonians, the Persians, and overcome such bondage, then so could they, so can we. So let's recall Daniel as being one who was supposed to have been in Hebrew exile in Babylon sometime between 587 and 538 B.C. And and it was noted about his background that that, that he was of a royal background and he was good-looking and he also had the ability to interpret dreams. We read about that in the very beginning of our series, In the Midst. I want to read a section of Scripture that describes who Daniel was so that we get this understanding of why he was so popular with the kings and the rulers of these foreign lands. Then the king commanded his palace master, um, Ashpaz to bring some of the Israelites, the royal family and of nobility, young men without physical defect and handsome versed in every branch of wisdom and endowed with knowledge and insight and competent to serve in the king's palace, they were to be taught the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. This was Daniel. This was Daniel's new world where he was not free. But because of who he was, he was elevated over and over again He was also acclaimed as the interpreter of dreams, which found him favor with the king. And the vision that he related in our lesson for today is the first of four visions that Daniel is reported to have had. And this famous encounter in the lion's den that preceded this just sets this vision up for today and quite a vision it was. We need to remember that Daniel was 90 years old. Perhaps his body was waning, but his mind and his wisdom was greater than ever. Daniel dreamed about four beasts that had come out of the sea, a lion with wings, a bear, a four-headed leopard with wings, and a dragon-like beast with horns that, 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 uh, that, that came out of this dragon and he was the baddest of them all. And each of these beasts seemed to symbolize one of the empires which plagued the Hebrews and held power over them and uh, held them in captivity in the past. There's much speculation about what empires these beasts represented, but it is likely that the, uh, the winged lion represented the Babylonian empire. Uh, some scholars say it's likely that the bear represented the, the Medes and the four-headed winged leopard, the Persians, and the dragon, the Greeks, especially Alexander the Great. And others believe that these four beasts symbolize the four kingdoms of the emperor, Alexander the Great. And some think that the number four is simply the number that means brought into perfection. We just really don't know for sure. We might say that they symbolize earthly powers or that which has power over us, for that seems to be a common thread related to these visions. So, how does Daniel inform us today? First, we need to say about Daniel that it is ultimately meant to be a book of testimony to hope, especially in regards to this fourth beast, this mysterious one. This morning, I want to say that the fourth beast is, is, is one that we face against which we think we. Have no chance of surviving. So, so today I, I want you to know that I don't think this was Daniel's intent at all. But I do think it's in the spirit of this literature this morning. That we see the beast that we face today in, in light of the hope that God gives us in the midst of dealing with the beast. And today I want to address the beast that we face in this nation literally throughout the globe. And that is the beast of COVID 19 and the pandemic that we are in. You know, it's like a world war, or it's like the feeling that we, many of us felt, and I think it was global as well after 9 11. The people are aware of the global threat to life and also to world economies. And today, COVID 19, the coronavirus, as we know it by, has come in like a beast, coming to us in 2019 and coming into this country early in 2020. Uh, We're nearing 200,000 deaths in the United States alone and close to a million worldwide. Over 6.1 million people, and that's rising, it'll be obsolete in in an hour, have been infected with the virus. You you know, some dismiss the beast by saying that the numbers are skewed and and say, well, we really haven't had that many deaths, or saying, you know, those numbers are skewed because uh, the healthcare workers are cooking the books. The truth be known, we may have had even more deaths than we've had reported. And and there's um, there's really no advantage in us squabbling over the deaths. But dealing with the reality of all of the pain that this pandemic is causing, this beast is causing. You know, we need to move forward as a nation. And after we identify the beast, then then we deal with where is the hope in the midst of that? Daniel has an answer. Some dismiss the beast by saying that herd immunity will take care of everything or it'll just eventually go away. Nearly every healthcare work, uh, expert that, that we have talked uh, to or has talked to us says that waiting on herd immunity would cost a million or two million lives. And then we don't know if we truly are immune. We don't know enough about the disease. Where does that conversation take us? We have to go to a higher place, a place where Daniel wants us to go you know we've heard so much about masks and some don't wear masks intentionally and some are making a political statement out of it some are just flexing the the, the freedom aspect of not being told what to do and, and others go to open events and and in um, crowds and 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 seem to disregard everything the experts are saying. I dare say what is being expressed is more akin to selfishness and, and arrogance than it is to any kind of expression of freedom or liberty. You know, after this, I saw in the visions By night, a fourth beast, said Daniel, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had iron teeth and was devouring, breaking in pieces and stamping what was left with its feet. It was different from all of the beasts that preceded it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns when another horn appeared, a little one coming up among them to make room for it. Three of the earlier horns were plucked up by the roots. There were eyes like human eyes in the horn and a mouth speaking arrogantly. Now now this is that portion of this scripture that I want to say, I don't know what that means. And I don't know who exactly does. And and sometimes in in us trying to look back or worse yet to forecast what the 10 was all about as if it's some uh, prophecy, then I think we get into trouble. The message there is that the beast is, is full of arrogance. And that we are those who are called to get to a different level. We're getting to a level of hope, ushered in by Daniel. We simply are in a time when Christians are called to play out of our wheelhouse, and that should be uplifting to us. To think of others, to love others, to do no harm to others, and and to realize that we'll get through this pandemic together. We may have to humble ourselves. We may have to realize that that we have to work together like never before. That we have to uh, unify around a common beast and embrace a common hope. That, That is a hope that is all about us together moving forward together in light of a God who will see us through. You know, the story about the dream continues. And what happened next says something about the Bible's lessons and relevance to you and me today. I want us to focus this morning on the last beast, the dragon. The one with ten horns and the little one coming up and the three and all of that. The beast encounters an ancient one on the throne. And the beast cannot stand up to this ancient one on the throne. And the dragon was put to death and the other beasts had their power taken away from them by the ancient one on the throne. Then the dream proceeds with this following vision. I saw one like a human coming with the clouds of heaven and he came to the Ancient One, and, his, and he, he was presented before Him. To Him was given dominion and glory and kingship, that all people's nations and language should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away, and His kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. Who is this one like a human being? Some Jews have believed it to be the symbol of the the faithful Jews. It's a a human expression of this one, a human being. Others hold that it refers to the the archangel uh, Michael. And yet for Christians, this is obviously a prophetic reference to Christ. Christ. The human one. The one who came in the form of a human was fully human and, and yet fully divine. Fully the ancient one. Ephesians 1.22 says, And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church. Daniel's dream is essentially a reality check for you and for me. It's a word of liberation. When we face the beasts that we face in life, and, and when we realize this, 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 this massive beast, and even a pandemic, we are not without hope because there is one who has come who will liberate us. The beast that exerts so much impact on our lives need no longer have us in its clutches. That's the hope. The power of the pandemic will ultimately be conquered. That's the belief based on the hope. And that does not mean that we we can open our doors right now, just like the good old days and go back to normal tomorrow or or say, come on to church, come maskless, and we're going to belt out all the hymns. It means we have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves because our hope is in the hands of this one who has come. You know, we shouldn't fear the pandemic, really. Really? We should be smart and capitalize on what we have learned and the experts and our leaders who are pointing us in directions that will lead us to a better place. And we, Christians, pray to to that holy one, that ancient one, that one who is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. We are called by Jesus to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves, especially in the midst of facing the beast. I want to say a few things that I think that we have learned that adds to our wisdom and adds to our gentleness. We've learned that the church can leave the building and still be the church, maybe even better than ever. Haven't we? Isn't that exciting to you? That The church hadn't gone away. We've just left the building and, and, and we've gone places we've never gone before. We have learned that when we stop long enough to listen, then we can hear the needs of others and find ways to do ministry and outreach. Isn't that what we're seeing in our food ministry? Isn't that what we're seeing when when we have literally thousands of people fed, nearly 100,000 people who've come to this church, a church that has recognized a need and addressed it? We've learned that reaching people with electronic means is effective and extremely valuable kingdom work. Do you realize how many people are visiting us online who've never set foot in this church? And perhaps never would have set foot in this church had it not been for a safe electronic entrance. We have twice as many people watching online every week than we normally would have had sitting in the pews. And we've learned that we will worship in person again. We've learned that. But we will always stream worship in an excellent way into the homes of people all over the world and enhance in-person worship with video and technology features that we've learned in the midst of this pandemic. Isn't that hopeful? And we've learned that we miss singing and and in-person worship, we, we miss the musical gifts. We, we miss what it means to gather together. And, and isn't it important that we have underscored something that perhaps we'd all taken for granted as being so precious to us and so valuable and we cannot wait to be back there again. And one more thing. I want to add that I think that we are learning. I pray that we are learning how that we can practice the Galatians test. with so much anxiety in the air, and it doesn't help one bit that this is a political season, and, and, and there's so much tension around, that sometimes our words, our words, hurt and deter healing. What is the Galatian test? I think that if we would say before we speak, is what I am about to say loving, joy-filled, peaceful, patient, kind, good, gentle, faithful, and displaying self-control? If we can learn that, then we will be such an example to a world in need in the midst of our anxiety and in the midst of our acting out, in the midst of our not knowing what to do. We speak words of hope in the midst of a pandemic. Our text, the whole Bible teaches that the truth is that the pandemic will not endure. And by disregarding this, we have set ourselves up for misery and unhappiness. And according to St. Augustine, you and I will only find happiness when we prioritize the values of the kingdom of God. The power of the gospel over the values that the earthly powers, or COVID-19, may impose on us. Hear his words. Augustine said, But the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Friends, that's hope. And now when you realize that earthly powers will not endure, that is the gospel. That is truth. The things of God have the real staying power. And all those things that used to seem so stifling and even imprisoning do not matter much at all. Not in the larger scheme of things. Daniel would remind us our ancestors have faced such and God has brought us through. Relativizing earthly powers with the gospel sets you, sets me free from those powers because the gospel puts you and me on the winning team. The great reformer Martin Luther said centuries ago, the gospel makes us Lord of all, subject to none, one who receives the kingdom and possesses it forever. The confidence that though earthly powers do their worst, they will not ultimately prevail has been a great source of comfort to Christians throughout the centuries. You know, it helped the early Christian martyrs to endure. It empowered the African-American slaves to keep on keeping on. It strengthened me in the midst of a fight with cancer. It helps us to see beyond COVID-19. And it will always be our power and strength. Friends, the good news today, the the truth today that we cannot deny, coming from Daniel, is that when we face the beast, whatever the beast may be, the hope is that we turn to a God whose kingdom is forever and who will always be the conqueror. Amen.